Hey, what's going on, Redskins X? It's your host, Rod, and we are back with Podcast 50. A very special pod for us. Obviously, hitting 50 is a huge, a monumental achievement for any podcaster, and we feel especially uh, grateful to have reached 50 with y'all. Today's pod will be joined by Mark Bullock, uh, formerly of The Athletic. Uh, If you've seen him on Twitter, you'll know his, his game breakdowns are without even bloviating, I think they're legendary. I really love them. I appreciate it. I think we all look at the game from a certain point of view, typically game day. Uh, Mark is one of the few that has the all 22 feed and he can look at that and he breaks it down very, very well. So very glad to have Mark Bullock joining us on the pod today. Hey, Alex, we'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsor. Thank you for joining us for sure. Um, you know, everybody who, who follows us, listens to the Redskins addicts, uh, definitely fans of your work. So folks who are listening to the podcast right now, we got uh, Mark Bullock on with us. Uh, very, very famous for his, at least famous to me. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people do agree with me, but very famous for your, your film breakdowns, Mark. I really enjoy them. Uh, we all see the game from a different perspective, and I was saying that in the, in the drop earlier, but uh, very happy to have you along. And, and shout out to Steve for really connecting with you and getting you to join us today. So very thankful that you're here. It's 9 p.m. Uh, over there in the U.K. with us. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having a late evening with us on a Thursday to be here. Yeah, no worries, no worries. How's it going? Hey, oh, pretty, pretty good. Great, Mark. Pretty good. Thank you. Hey, 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 Mark. Well, yeah, once again, like Rod said, thanks for joining us, especially on your, your time being so late over there. Um, we'd just love to pick your brain, and, and if you could tell us, how, how did you begin covering football and then working for the athletic and then covering the Washington football team from, from overseas? So um, I, I am English, but I, when, when I was younger, I – my my dad's job took us out to the states um and we, and we lived uh near dc um and so i i spent sort of five years as a as a kid growing up in the kind of dc area sort of learning the the u.s sports um and and kind of always kept an eye on them when when i came back here um and then then it started to come become more popular here and get shown on tv more and so uh probably about 10 years ago now i I, maybe 11 11 or 12 years ago now i I really started to really pay attention and and watch it and i I kind of i picked washington as my team just because i had lived there um it it felt like kind of the the right thing to do um and and so i i I started watching the sport and and it, it intrigued me because all other sports that i know were kind of like soccer football as we call it here um is more free-flowing and there's no like breaks in play whereas uh obviously american football or football for you guys is just it, it has one play and stops and one play and stops so it has a chance to reset and new strategies and tactics and stuff each and every play so that always fascinated me and and so i i i read up as much as i could about it i i would watch as much as i could and i always wanted to know why uh, and kind of fell into this really um i, I started as as a as a blogger on hogs haven if you know the site hogs haven um and or a bunch of us have met actually yeah um so i started as a blogger there years and years ago probably 10 years now i i, I wasn't even trying to be a blogger there I, I literally just did a fan post i, I think it was 
at the start of the John Beck era, um, writing about something I'd seen and, and I was taking screenshots to kind of back up my points, um, screenshots of the game and said like, this is what he was doing and this is what he was doing bad or good or whatever. And like half an hour after posting a fan post with that, they asked me to come and write for them. Um, and that developed into two or three years down the line, um, the Washington Post, they they had just done a deal to get John Kime there. And then he left for ESPN after like three months. Uh, and they, they needed a, a cheap uh, film analyst person to come in and, and fill in that role that John was going to do. So um, they fortunately saw my work and picked me. And then The Athletic, when they uh, they finally sort of reached out to DC, they they came across and asked me. And then Unfortunately, the last couple of weeks that's fallen off, but uh, yeah, that's kind of my story for where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, very cool. And then, so so, what sparked the idea or the drive to create uh, Bullock's Film Room? How did you transition to, to, to Bullock's Film Room where we, where we are today? Uh, so it was just kind of the athlete, my contract with the athletic ran out and, and there was... I, I was hoping that something else would come along, uh, but a, a lot of people had reached out and said, hey, start a Substack or a Patreon and, and we'll subscribe and, and read your content there. And, and Substack was the one everyone recommended more than Patreon. So I just looked into it. And um, when I, I had been slowly watching different players and building up some footage to put articles together. And then on, over the weekend, there was... Uh, the Matthew Stafford report of him being available and the parting ways with the Lions. And I was like, well, I better write about that because I was going to write about Stafford anyway uh, and put together that post. And I was like, well, I need someone to post it. And that's how that came about. It's fantastic. I mean, we're just glad that you're continuing to put out content regardless of what form it is, because like I said, I'll tell you earlier when we were talking on uh, previously is, you know, we would use a lot of your film study from the athletic to prove points in our, in our Facebook group about the offense, about the play calling about players. So uh, we really admire your work. And, and, and now I'm going to get into the fun part and, and, and turn over and talk to some of the guys about some football questions for you. So I'll turn it over to, uh, to Rod uh, and, and see what he, what he has for you. Hey, Mark, uh, once again, just thanks for being on with us. So I, I got some little alternate reality questions for you. And it, okay. it kind of lays with the fact that say, Hey, bizarre world, Mark Bullock is chosen as the general manager of the Washington football team. <laughs> what, what okay. are you doing this year with, with pick 19? And there's a lot of, noise in the background whether trading back trading forward for a veteran quarterback what would you do would you would you make a package deal for a vet trade down or take the best player available yeah i i think uh you've got to look at getting that quarterback spot sorted uh, it seems to be that rivera feels like this team is ready to compete uh certainly on the defense and uh, the offense needs a quarterback to to bring the offense up to the same level. Um, and so I, I think you've got to be looking at trying to be aggressive and finding your quarterback. And I haven't fully set on one guy yet. Um, I, I like quite a few different options. I, I would think that that 19 probably would get used in one way or another for a quarterback, whether that's a, a trade for a Stafford or a, a ludicrous trade for Watson or, um, 
someone like that or or whether it's you know those vet guys are too expensive and and you prefer a younger guy in the draft that maybe falls out of the top five like a a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields or or who or Trey Lance whoever and, and you think let's go up and be aggressive and go get that guy I, I think I I I would love to give you the name that I'm like yes this is the guy I want the most I, I but I don't have that in my mind yet but I I think the the path I would go down is being aggressive to go after a quarterback and and identify a guy I, I really want to be my quarterback and, and use that 19th pick and whatever else it might take to go and get it. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Mark Bullock would be aggressive in trade number 19 for number one. That's what he said. That's not what he said. That's not what he said, but Hey, I no, definitely appreciate it. It's, it's fun. You know, off- a number one. Yeah. A number one. It's, it's fun. Off seasons are very fun, especially in the, you know, Washington football slash Redskins universe, where there's a lot of bickering and back and forth as to what we should do with this magical draft pick. Uh, so the next one is um, it's related to a guy that we had on the roster for a couple of years, and it's right guard Brandon Sheriff. So we know that Chase Roulier, uh extended during the season. I don't think uh, Sheriff was able to, based on playing on the franchise tag, can't really negotiate till after the season. But uh, would you bring him back? Would you allow him to test for agency and, and hope that we could get a, a lower cap number for him? And if you're not going to bring him back, Mark, who, who do you think his replacement would be? Someone on the roster or another draft free agent acquisition? Uh, I, I would absolutely bring him back. Uh, I, I've advocated for a while now that they should have got him signed a, uh, a long time ago because he's one of the better right guards or one of the top probably five right guards in the league, uh, possibly higher than that. And um, he's been one of their few consistent players on the offensive line. Um, and th- this year, certainly the second half of the year, when they after all the shuffling they've had on, on the offensive line with the injuries and stuff, they when they finally got... Schweitzer at left guard, Rudy at center, and Sheriff at right guard. They, those three seem to click inside, and that really gave them some momentum. And, and the games where they've run the ball well, they they've used the zone scheme, and those three players have got um, some amazing movement um, on the interior defensive linemen of other teams, and and that's opened up cutback lanes, and and that's really promising, and that that gives you a foundation to go for, um, go go with going forward. So, I. I like what those three are giving you and I would I would be doing what I could to keep all three together. And then obviously they've re-signed Rudier and Schweitzer was a free agent addition last year. So those two are locked in, but um, Sheriff is the, is the big chip to fall there. And, and I would, I'd also be going all out to get him back and take and get him signed. Very cool. Very cool. And And that's actually a good segue because, I, I think our offensive line is better than most people give credit for. And then, so that being said, I'm going to turn it over to our own resident internal lineman, uh, Mr. Phil, what, what you got, bud? So I have a couple questions as well, just to get your expertise on this. Uh, by the way, I was a big fan of yours when you were on Hogshaven. So it's nice to see you uh, <laughs> progress upward in the world from uh, the level of the rest of us fans to, to doing big things. Thank you. Um, but uh, the first question I have is, we do have a bit of a, a gap at left tackle, you know, to protect the quarterback's blind side. And we saw where they had moved Morgan Moses over in a pinch from right tackle to left tackle. And I felt that he played fairly well for a guy who has spent his entire career on the right side. 
Uh, do you think it might be a prudent move for them to try to go after maybe a cheaper right tackle in free agency or you know, to try to find a right tackle in the draft and maybe move Morgan over to the left since he is a veteran and he showed that he could play on both sides? Uh, personally, I, I'm not a fan of that move. Um, I, I think you're right in that he did, he did do a pretty good job going over to the left side in the pinch. Um, but the caveat there is that he, he did it in a, in a pinch and he, and he, he played well for a guy that's played right tackle all of his career. Um, in terms of the average standard of left tackle, he, he, I wouldn't put him in the top 15 of left tackles. So he, he, he's been, he, he was a player I was doubtful about going into the season and he really reestablished himself as, as their best right tackle and, and one of their better linemen. And I think he had a really good season and, uh, I think he's worth keeping around, obviously, but I, I think he's better suited to the right side now. He's, he's certainly more comfortable there. Um, I, I would leave him there and, and look to address the left tackle spot rather than have potentially two problems by making Mo- weakening right tackle by moving Moses to the left side and not fully strengthening the left side if, if Moses doesn't you know, pick it up and really get used to it. Um, so I, I personally would leave Moses at right, at right side, on the right side and, and try to find a left tackle, as, even though that might be a little bit more difficult. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. I just – I want to get your opinion on it because I, w- I was surprised when they moved him over to the left tackle. It's funny because I actually proposed that at the beginning of the season, you know, because we were worried that, you know, we were starting off with, you know, Jerron Christian. And sure. Nobody on this podcast liked him. So, <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. So we all thought, why don't we just move Moses, Moses to left for the time being? Because he's obviously the best tackle we have. Um, so well, I, I get what you're saying there. Um, the other question I have for you is, you know, we, we did have some, some issues outside of Terry McLaurin as far as weapons at wideout being consistent throughout the season. Yep. Um, do you think Kelvin Harmon, if he had been healthy – would have fit in well with this offense and been productive in this offense. We, we expect him to be back next season. So I kind of have your idea of, do you think he would have been productive in this particular offense that we run? Uh, he could have been productive to an extent. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think he would have been necessarily more so than if say the cam Sims we got later in the year was what we had at the start of the season. Um, and he had plays the whole 16 games at that level. I, I think that's probably would have been more productive than Kelvin Harmon. Um, he's to me, Harmon is a guy that is a really nice third or fourth option. I, I don't think he's someone that I personally see as, um, a starting level receiver. Um, and I think he's in a kind of group with the likes of Cam Sims or Stephen Sims and um, Isaiah Wright and, and those guys. They're, they're all guys that have traits that you like and they flash um, some nice plays and, and you feel good about having them on the roster. Um, but I, I feel like they all are kind of bumped up one spot too high than they should be on the depth chart. And uh, I think if you had McLaurin and one other guy starting opposite him at the Z, um, then everyone else has bumped down a spot and then you feel really good about your depth because you like all of those guys um, and and they can come in in a pinch or they can take some snaps. But I don't think, personally, I don't think Harmon would have 
been any more productive than, say, Cam Sims. Um, he might have just been more consistent at the start of the year. Okay. I, I just want to follow up on that real quick. Cut two, keep one. Harmon, Steven Sims, Isaiah Wright. Uh, I would keep the first two and cut right, I think. I, I know everyone, all the fan base seems to be done with Steven Sims. I, I think there's still a lot of talent there. Um, I understand. I take him off punts, absolutely. Um, but the And the, the drops are an issue, but they're a manageable issue in the his their, their concentration thing that he doesn't watch the ball into his hands um as basic as that sounds uh it, a lot of the time it's him looking for where he his next move before he even catches the ball and that's what causes his drop so um i think that can be improved and i think that can be fixed and, and if you can manage that then i think you've got a really talented player in steven sims so i'm personally not ready to give up on him um and, and i think Harmon probably offers you more um, than Isaiah Wright. Um, not that Wright's a, a bad player. I think Harmon probably just offers you a little bit more. So what you're saying is they need to go out and find a real number two wide receiver, right? Yes. Yeah, they absolutely. do. They absolutely do. They, they need someone to play that um, Z spot opposite McLaurin um, and uh, give them a real another threat on the outside. Um, and it, they could probably get by if they could get a, a top receiving tight end that could take a lot of pressure off the receiving group and they could probably get by without getting another second receiver. But um, you, you need either a, a top receiving tight end um, or to find a, a number two receiver. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to transition over to, uh, to Ellie. I know he has a couple of questions for you. So Ellie, what, what you got? All right, Mark, we're going to restore sanity to our fan base here. Taylor Heineke. <laughs> uh, we went crazy. Now we, a lot of folks in the fan base went crazy after the uh, Tampa game and said, stop looking. We got our starter for the next five to 10 years. Do you personally see him as a starting quarterback for us in the NFL? Uh, no, I, I wish I did. Uh, and it was a fantastic performance. I, I don't want to take anything away from that performance at, I think I said on the the night or the day after the game, like it was probably the best quarterbacking performance that we've had in Washington for at least five years. Um, so it, it was fantastic. Um, and, and watching back the film on that, it was almost better than I anticipated it being. Um, and I can't really say anything bad about it. He didn't really put many, many bad throws or, or anything like that. So uh he was very good but it there's only so much stock you can put in one performance and we've seen a lot of quarterbacks come back um, come through and have one good game and we suddenly think oh this is the answer and then once teams get film on that player or um they they see a different kind of coverage then suddenly they they don't look so good um and with heineke it it's not like it's not like he was this hidden gem they were waiting to get a start uh, he was a guy that, that Scott Turner and, and Ron Rivera have cut before. They, they, they had the opportunity to sign him this offseason, and they didn't. Um, they, they didn't sign him during the season until they'd cut Haskins, and, and they were desperate for a, an extra quarterback that knew the system. Like, he wasn't uh, in their plans at all. They, didn't, they clearly didn't think of him as a starting quarterback. Um, 
but they were forced into the situation where they were playing him and they got lucky that he had an, an outstanding game. But I, I think they will tell you even they didn't foresee him playing this well. So um, I, I think we can't get too carried away with one performance. I, I think that one performance absolutely earned him a roster spot. They should sign him back. They should let him compete for the backup job um, and whatever else you want to add to that. But I I would not be comfortable going into next season with him as my as my starting quarterback. And a lot of that is due to the injury history. Like, I don't think he's managed to play more than – I don't even know if he's played a full game without getting hurt in his, in his NFL career. So, like, yeah. um, I, I don't, you just can't rely on, on that kind of injury history at quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a quarterback uh, that's – currently in the nfl starting that you think would be an ideal fit for scott turner's offense uh well i mean the patrick mahomes um <laughs> you know like there, there's some there's there's some guys that have like traits that are transcendent of scheme uh and and, and like deshaun watson is one of those guys um I, I think matthew stafford would be a very good fit um i i think um the the kind of profile that I think this offense is looking for is they would like to be able to drive the ball down the field more. I think that was clear that from when I've watched Turner's offense in the past with the Panthers, they, they look to attack down the field more. I mean, it's called the air Coriel system. So it's, it's looking to throw the ball. Um, but they, for numerous reasons, they weren't able to stretch the field that often this year. Um, so I think they want a quarterback to be able to drive the ball down the field and, and hit on the vertical concepts that they haven't been able to this year. Um, but I think another critical part of that is having a quarterback that has some mobility, not necessarily a Lamar Jackson or Sean Watson, but uh, a guy that can get himself out of trouble and, and scramble around to extend the play and go off script. So this offense, it allows the quarterback a, a, a larger degree of flexibility than other offenses do um, and they can go off scripts a little bit more and, and and pick matchups that they 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 like pre-snap it and really focus on those kind of things and and go to their number one guys if, if they if they are in a third and five situation like you can just go to terry McClure and it's not like oh well i have to go through reads one two and three and if he's there on the third read then i go to him it's well i like McClure on that slot corner i'm going to go to him so I, I think they like a quarterback that can move around and extend plays and go a bit more off script but have the arms to attack down the field as well okay um so scott turns offense last year as a fan you know we're not professionals and we don't really study film the way that i'm sure you do but it was frustrating to watch a lot because it went vertical just as you kind of mentioned there do you think that was more of a product of the quarterbacks uh, limiting the offense or the offense limiting the quarterbacks that we had? Uh, I think it was a combination of at the start of the season, they, the protection wasn't very good. Uh, the, the only real threat receiver was McLaurin. Um, and so they could call a four verticals concept. They wouldn't protect it long enough for the routes to develop down the field. And only McLaurin would be the, they double McLaurin and then you, you wouldn't have anyone else winning matchups. So that that's kind of a losing situation across the board. Um, then as the season progressed and the, the offensive line started to patch together, um, they started to protect a little bit more and, and they started to look for those down the field shots a little bit more. But 
um, things like Smith not being able to manage the pocket a little bit because of his injury um, and receivers not necessarily creating a great deal of separation. Um, And Smith is a guy that processes things sometimes a little too quickly and, and gets to his checkdowns quite early. And, and that's not always a bad thing because it gives the underneath receivers a chance to run after the catch. Um, but sometimes it can miss an opportunity to go down the field um, every now and again too. So uh, it, it was a product of, it's hard to pinpoint one specific thing because if, if it was one obvious thing, then they would probably have fixed it. So um, the protection earlier in the year wasn't there for those down the field shots. Um, they still don't have that kind of burner opposite McLaurin to really threaten down the field. Um, and, and yeah, the quarterbacks need to do a better job of it, of, of attacking down the field too. All right. And, and a really big bright spot for us was Antonio Gibson last year when we saw him play, there was times where, we felt like, or we wished Scott Turner had given him more opportunity, but when he did get the opportunities, he seemed to be electric with the football. Um, from what you've seen him so far, how high do you think his ceiling is as an NFL running back? His ceiling is very high. Um, the the talent is undeniable, and, and like the, his ability, he to break tackles and and pick up yards and not go down on first contact is incredible um he's fantastic in the open field the athletic ability is off the charts um and he the thing with him is that it sounds harsh to say he doesn't know what he's doing because he's in the nfl he knows what he's doing but he doesn't you can see he's hesitant a lot of the time when he when he's trying to read out his paths as a runner so if it's an outside zone run he thinks he has to go outside he, he doesn't always think he can cut back or if he tries to cut back he tries to cut all the way back rather than taking a specific hole um or if it's a power run he he will try to bounce it when really he should stick straight up the a gap and then go gap by gap out to the edge um like his reads weren't very good his vision wasn't always great um and yet he was still incredibly productive. Um, and that all was improving as the season went on. You could see, I mean, he's a guy that had, what, 33 carries or something like that in college. He, mm-hmm. he, you would expect him to be very raw, and that's what he was. Um, but as he progressed and as he got more carries, you saw him start to be like, okay, I can press this run to the to the outside and, and get guys to over-pursue to the outside and create that cutback lane. And he was starting to get it. Um, and it was really unfortunate that he got his his injury when he did because he was really starting to hit his stride there and he was really starting to understand that he doesn't always have to go 100 miles an hour he doesn't have to bounce every single run outside he can he can press the the hole and and make himself um lanes to cut back into and and he does he can be more patient and when he fully develops that part of his game then he can be as good as he wants to be perfect all right, hey Phil, you had a, another quick question, real quick. Yeah, I got a, a question for you, Mark, because this has um, been a, a contentious issue all season amongst the fan base, and especially in, in our little group of five thousand people. Who do you think played the best ball at quarterback this season? Do you think it was Smith, 
Haskins, or Allen? Uh, well, can I say Heineke in that last game? Because uh, no. that was the, that was the <laughs> no, best. No, no, five quarters doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Five quarters doesn't count. That's fair. That's fair. Um, it's a tough one because Kyle Allen really didn't get that much of a shot. Um, I, I, I would say Smith probably ran the offense better than anyone. Um, and, and he was the most efficient and he made the most correct reads. And even if he was quick to get to the check down again, the offense is kind of built like that where they have receivers running down the field and it's, it's trying to stretch the defense. And that takes, that opens up the throat of the flat or the check down to the running back underneath and that kind of thing. So um, I, I think Smith ran the offense probably better than anyone else. Um, Kyle Allen gave them a little bit more mobility. Um, so he was the one that was able to go a bit more off script. And when you go off script and you run around, that causes defenses to do funny things and create some really explosive plays. And and that's probably why we saw Allen have some decent plays and have some success. But working on script, I would say Smith was probably the most efficient quarterback. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right, Mark, I, I got a couple of questions for you, Mark, and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you go. So watching a lot of your film, actually all your film stuff during the season, it always seemed like there were wide receivers that were generally in the same spot. And we were just so frustrated and we didn't know if it was a byproduct of the system, the play calling, the route running, or was it a byproduct of the wide receivers just running the wrong routes at different lengths and heights and distances? What, what, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I, I did notice that at times um, that there are certain times where certain route concepts are designed like that so that um, two receivers run in a similar path and it stops cornerbacks from being able to jam them at the same time. Um, and so, and if one will suddenly break off inside, the other will break off outside and it can create some confusion for defenses. So there are issues, there are times when that is the right thing for them to be doing. But there certainly were times where there were receivers in the same area and it felt wrong. It looked wrong. It just was wrong. Um, it's hard to really pinpoint exactly what that is because you don't have the communication. The thing that I guessed, and it, it was just a guess to me, but um, I, I felt like I noticed it only really when Haskins was in at quarterback. And to me, that suggested that he wasn't communicating the plays properly. Um, and it's a very easy system to mess up a, a route combination because it's a digit system. So you you, you call the routes five two five, and then you label the slot receivers route or whatever it is. But um, it, it's quite easy. I mean, personally, I know that I could quite easily go two five two instead of five two five or five three five or whatever, and then suddenly you have receivers running the wrong thing. Um, so I, to that, my guess, my hunch on this is that Haskins was occasionally getting the wrong call or, um, telling two receivers to run the same thing. Um, like that's the only real guess I have at it. I didn't notice it as much when Alex Smith was in there. Um, and Smith has history in this offense. He played under North Turner, um, earlier in his career. So. Uh, I didn't notice it when Kyle Allen was there. And obviously we know Kyle Allen played with Scott Turner last year. So I, I only really noticed it when Haskins was at quarterback. So my guess is that he didn't have a, 
that he was messing up some of the play calls in the huddle, which happens for a quarterback in their first year in the system. But that, that would be my guess as to what was happening there. Right. Fair enough. I remember there was one specific play that the interception, I think it was uh, Isaiah Wright tipped it and Cam Sims had his defender right there. And it was a pick. Uh, you probably remember the play. It was, um, you know, that second stint when Haskins came back. So that, that's what jumped out to me when you were talking just right there. Yeah. Um, and, and I got to know, cause he was my dark horse in the off season. What's your thoughts on Logan Thomas? I know previously you said we need to get a real receiving tight end. So what's your honest take on, on, on Logan and how do you think he did this year? He did way better than I thought he would. Um, I, I I kind of thought of it as a nothing signing. I, I I expected the the two everyone goes talks about is Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick. I expected McKissick to play well because when you watched film of him with the Lions, um, he had some nice plays. He just didn't. He wasn't used enough. Um, Logan Thomas was just average to me. He he didn't seem like he was going to be particularly productive. Um, he was a lot better than I anticipated him being. He he came on a lot stronger. He he blocked better than I thought he would. Um, I, that saying that he still wasn't an outstanding blocker, but the effort was there, um, the willingness was there, and he was in the right place and and trying to do the right thing a lot of the time. So, um, that was better than I anticipated. As a receiver, um, he was very reliable, um, and, and he did a pretty good job finding holes and zones and sitting down and making himself available. Um, and he made some pretty tough contested catches at times. Um, and his catching radius was was bigger than I anticipated it being. So um, he he did a nice job there. But um, the the thing that separates a, a a really good tight end or a good tight end from a, a great tight end is the ability to separate from man coverage. And and Logan Thomas doesn't do that consistently. Um, he does it from time to time, uh, and it's not necessarily something he can't improve, but he, he currently doesn't run routes sharp enough to do that, um, and he doesn't have just the natural kind of quickness that, like a Jordan Reed had that crossover where he, he would set up a, a safety and cross a, get cut across his face and get inside and get open. Um and that was an elite move for a tight end. It's an elite move for a receiver as well, but it was an elite move for a tight end, especially. And, and Logan Thomas doesn't have that. Um, he doesn't have that quickness. Um, so uh, I don't see him being a, an elite tight end. I, I can see him becoming a, a good tight end, a very good one, a, a productive one. Um, and I think if he's your number two tight end, you're absolutely thrilled with how good that is. Um, but I, I think... And I think you can get by with him as your number one tight end um, like they did this year, uh, but you would need a, another receiving option. And for me, if you could get a, a top tight end and, and have Logan Thomas as your, your number two, then that gives you a lot of flexibility with personnel as well, where you can use two tight end sets that they weren't really able to use that this year as a, as a receiving option because nobody really respected Jeremy Sprinkle or who else they would bring in. So um I, I think that's where I'm standing on, on Logan Thomas. He, he was very good, a lot better than I anticipated him being, and I, I was completely wrong on him, but I still don't think he's ever going to be the upper tier of tight ends, and, and that's not a bad thing. Like Not many people can get there, but um, yeah, I think that's 
kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah, absolutely. I, and thank you for that assessment. Um, it's good to know, you know, uh, Logan is exactly what you said it is. And I, I think that's good that we have him, but I think we could always do better, but uh, it was a pleasant surprise. And yeah, we call Jeremy Sprinkle stone hands around here. <laughs> <laughs> he has a tendency to drop those crucial balls, at least previously last year, and a little bit this year, but uh, we had another member Dev who couldn't be here. He had to work, but he just wanted to say thanks for joining us. And he loves your film study, just like all of us. And um, you know, in closing, are, are you doing anything else? Uh, besides focusing on the Washington football team, is there any other team you're doing anything for? Or are you Washington specific in, in, in all your studies? No, right now it's, it's mainly Washington. Uh, that's what my, the fan base, I guess I have um, as weird as that sounds to say um, every, everyone that follows me on Twitter is a Washington fan or probably 90% are um, like some of my stuff that I will put out will have, wider implications than just Washington like the the Stafford piece I put out wasn't I didn't have it specifically aimed at Washington but I the theme was you know Washington needs a quarterback and Stafford's available so um, any fan from any other team could get something out of it and I actually got a lot of Colts fans tweeting that piece and being like this is what we're getting guys and um, so it it, it can work for other teams but my focus is going to be on guys that would fit in Washington Right. Your Allen Robinson piece was really good too. I mean, I, that would be phenomenal if we signed him across from Terry McLaurin. That was a great, great piece too. It would be a lot of fun to watch for sure. It it would be. Well, I I just want to thank you for for joining us, Mark. Um, And, you know, give you time for a quick little plug, you know, give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Bullock, NFL, M-A-R-K-B-U-L-O-C-K, NFL. And then the new subscriptions uh, site is uh, markbullock.substack.com. That's yep. correct. Yeah, that's correct. That, yep. So go subscribe. It's worth every penny. Give a gift. You can give the gift of subscription to someone else, to a friend, uh, to a family member. Uh, and, and we just really appreciate everything you do, Mark. And we can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your evening to, to sit down and talk football with us because I mean, it's just, it's just been a delight and we've been following you for a while and I'm just, we're just so thankful you could, you could sit down and chat with us. Yeah, of course. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. I'm happy to uh, come on whenever you, whenever you want me on. Okay. All right, Mark. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, once again, thank you. And uh, we look forward to all your, all your content you're putting out on your, uh, your sub stack. So take care. Cheers. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Cheers guys. Right. Thanks Bye. Mark.